Hello and welcome to Stories from My Journey podcast. I'm Wendy Farha. I'm a believer and have been for more than 40 years. Does that mean I'm really old? As I look back, there are situations in my life where God has shown up, made himself real to me, and taught me many important things in the midst of difficulties. I've created this podcast in hopes that my stories will edify, encourage, and inspire you to seek a deeper relationship with him. There will always be some laughs along with those stories, as well as many of the songs I've written. So follow along with me as I share my journey with you. Hello and welcome back to my podcast. In this episode, I'm going to be talking about my life as a motorcycle mama. That's right, you heard correctly. I used to have a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. It was the cutest little motorcycle you ever did see. It was a Yamaha 100cc. You could take out the engine and put it in your sewing machine, basically. I mean, it wasn't a scooter, technically. It was a motorcycle, but it was the smallest of the small. But I thought I was incredibly cool. I was able to just pop around town with it. So I thought about it for a while before I bought it. I had just become a Christian, and I was still fairly new in the faith. A question came to my mind, and it was, if I know motorcycles are dangerous can I expect the Lord to protect me on it? It's a good theological question, right? It's like when you go out with a group of friends and you order an ice cream sundae. If you're all eating dessert, do you pray first for the blessing on the sundae? Do you ask God to bless the sundae to your body? (laughs) Dear Lord, we just pray for these ice cream sundaes. We pray that you'll bless them to our use. In Jesus' name, amen. I mean, do we hope that God will remove the calories? Or maybe he will just not count those calories against us. And they will just slide off. So it was that kind of theological question. I mean, could I expect the Lord to protect me if I was going to do something that everybody was telling me was dangerous? Especially the gal who used to work in the emergency room. Oh, she said, you should come and sit in the emergency room and watch some of the cases that come in, the people who've had motorcycle accidents, she says, you'll never buy one. And I didn't really want to hear that because I really, really wanted a motorcycle. And I was living in an area where there was no bus service. There was no good bus service. I had my own small business. I was making cards and plaques with pressed dried flowers. They were so cute. I wish I had some. I mean, I, I made thousands of them over three years. I would go into the fields and pick the flowers and bring them back and press them in phone books all around my room. And of course, with the flowers came these little buggies. So I had little bugs in my room, but it was worth it. I would press the flowers and then I would put them on cards and I would cover them with nice Mac tack, it was called, so that they were sealed. And I sold tons of them to stores and to friends and that sort of thing. But I digress. I needed a motorcycle so that I could visit my my uh, stores. I had like 40 retail stores that bought these little cards for me, florists and gift shops. So I went to my pastor and I asked him, Pastor, 
if I buy a motorcycle and I know it's dangerous, can I expect the Lord to protect me? And the pastor was Welsh. He was from the country of Wales, in case you don't know that people from Wales are called Welsh people. Yes. So he had this really interesting accent. He said to me, (laughs) if you do the speed limit, the Lord will be on the bike. And if you go over the speed limit, the Lord will get off the bike. (laughs) And I thought that was really good advice. So I went and bought one. And for three years, I felt really, really protected. I just thought that was just so cool that I was protected by the Lord on the bike. The evidence of that protection was very evident to me one day when I was going along a side street in the suburbs and I stopped to make a left turn and I was waiting for the car coming in the opposite direction to pass so I could turn left and go down another street. Well, there was a guy behind me who was fascinated with the motorcycle cop who passed me in the opposite direction and he actually turned his head to look at the motorcycle cop to see what kind of motorcycle he was driving. And as he turned to turned around to look at the cop while he was driving, he didn't see me, stopped to make a left. And he banged into me from the back. And so he bumped me across the road, like kitty corner, across the road. So if there had been some oncoming cars, I mean, I would have gotten hit. Not that it was, you know, very fast. It was like 30 or 40 kilometers an hour. It still, he knocked me across the oncoming lane and I wheeled up and, and banged into a telephone pole and came to, obviously, came to a stop. So I got off, kind of looked at the damage. I wasn't hurt at all. And I took off my helmet and looked around the bike. My left indicator light was kind of like cockeyed. It was, you know, sitting up in the air. There was a dent in my muffler and that was it. I put the stand on my motorcycle and I walked across the street to the car that had pulled over. It was a Toyota. And he had gotten out of the car and his sister, who was in the passenger seat, she was yelling at him and he's like, you know, and she, I just spent $800 on the front end and you begged me to drive and here you are driving and you weren't paying attention. And he was like a nervous wreck. His hands were shaking and he was just like, and I was calm as anything. It was like, I was the one who got hit, but I just felt really calm. So I said, do you have an accident report? And he's like, I don't know. And I said, oh, well, I do. I went over and he couldn't fill it out because his hands were shaking. So I said, I'll fill it out. I mean, what's wrong with this picture? He was a nervous wreck. So I was filling out the form. Then I looked at the front end of the Toyota. His left wheel where he had hit me was twisted to the side. Now, I'm not driving a Harley, okay? I was I was driving a Yamaha 100cc, a little putt-putt. That thing, I don't know, it didn't weigh very much. The Toyota, I don't know how much they weigh, but it's probably, I don't know, how much does a Toyota weigh? It's at least a thousand pounds. And the wheel was just like bent. It was really interesting. So they had to call a tow truck. The tow truck came and we finished the accident report and they towed him off and he was still a nervous wreck. I walk back to my motorcycle and I get on. There's nothing wrong with it. And I just ride down the street, told a few people. And then about a year later, it just never occurred to me that this was a bizarre situation. But about a year later, I was telling a mechanic friend of mine and he was just like staring at me like really weird. And I said, yeah. And so I just had a little dent on my muffler and my left indicator light. You know, it was just kind of turned up 
in in a weird direction. I just pushed it back down into place. It's just metal. And he said, so, so wait a minute. He said, so you're dri- you were driving a 100cc Yamaha. I said, yeah. And the Toyota was the one that had to be towed. And the left wheel was twisted. And I said, yeah. And he goes, and he's an atheist, right? And he goes, doesn't that strike you as very unusual? And I was just, I thought about it for a minute. And I go, yeah, I just never occurred to me like that. Yeah, that really is weird. Like, why would he have so much damage just from hitting me? And then I realized, I remembered. And I said to him, well, you know, the Lord was on the bike. (laughs) I mean, I probably didn't say it with the Welsh accent, but I'm saying it to you now. The Lord was on the bike. And he just looked at me and he shook his head and he goes, yeah, okay, whatever. And I realized that I was protected on that bike. And the interesting thing was for three years, I felt like I was in a dome of safety, under a dome of safety, like a bubble. It was the most amazing thing. I I didn't realize it maybe at the time that it was supernatural, but I felt completely safe on that bike. And then year three that I owned it, the city of Dorval, the West Island got buses. It's like I didn't need that motorcycle anymore. I felt this bubble lift It was the most unusual sensation when I got on that bike after the buses came in. I just sensed the Lord saying, you don't need this bike anymore. You can get rid of it now. And I was like, no, I like this bike and I'd rather use the bike than the bus. It's hard to explain, but I just felt completely unprotected, completely. And I was going out on the bike and I didn't feel safe, but I thought it's just my imagination. You know how sometimes you get a sense from the Lord that something is up, but you don't want to admit it. And so one day I'm on an overpass, the motorcycle just died on the hill. And I looked in my rear view mirror and I could see this 18 wheeler coming up behind me. And it was going, you know, a fairly decent clip. Uh, Now I'm kind of a cheapskate. Um, I had gotten some insurance money for the motorcycle from that accident. I had never had my flashers fixed. I guess the flashers, either they never worked or they were damaged in the accident. I never got those fixed. I realized that I had just come to a complete stop on the hill. The light was green. The tr- this 18-wheeler was coming up behind me and a 100cc motorcycle is not very big. It's probably about the size of a bicycle. <laughs> a little thicker, but not much bigger. And I had realized I had no way of indicating with my flashers that I was at a complete stop. And I just watched in the mirror as that 18-wheeler came closer and closer and closer. I was frozen. And, you know, what are you going to, I could have waved my arms, I guess. Well, one of them, because the other one had to hold on to the handlebars. But I realized at that moment that I was completely unprotected, completely vulnerable. And that 18-wheeler came to a stop a few inches from the back tire. And I just said to the Lord in my heart, yep, I'm going to get rid of the motorcycle. <laughs> he allowed me to experience what it was to not be protected. That was a scary moment on that hill. It's interesting how sometimes God protects us and maybe it's just for a season in a certain situation. And then he says, okay, I've protected you. Now it's time for you to do something practical to protect yourself. In this case, it was sell the motorcycle, buy a bus pass and take the bus. And let's face it, it's a lot safer being on a bus. I mean, you don't have a seatbelt. But there you go. So that's my motorcycle mama story. I've always looked back on that with a lot of, 
I don't know, it just gives me this feeling of, wow, it was just like a little agreement between God and I that I was protected for those three years. So that's one of my God stories. I have a lot of God stories and I'm wondering, do you have God stories? I wonder if you can remember a time in the last few years where God really showed up and did something and you knew it was him. And I wonder if you ever write those things down because a few years ago, I had a crisis of faith. I was really discouraged with the the condition of the church and Christians not being very nice to each other sometimes and, and my own heart thinking, geez, you know, I've been a Christian for a long time and sometimes I'm just not a very nice person. And I was very discouraged and I thought, you know, maybe what we have isn't really the truth at all. Maybe we're just, maybe the, maybe it's not working. Maybe we're saying that, you know, when you come to Christ, he changes you, he changes your heart and you become more Christ-like and you're, you just become this all around wonderful person who loves people unconditionally. And I wasn't seeing any of that in my life. I was seeing incremental changes, but not massive changes, not huge changes the way I would like, would have liked. And so I had this real crisis of faith and I considered walking away from everything. I didn't want to leave. I loved the Lord. I, I knew that I'd had an experience with him, but in those moments of doubt or those seasons of doubt, sometimes you just, mm, it's a crisis and there's a battle going on in your heart, in your mind. One day I thought, you know, I'm just going to write down the times where I know God showed up in my life. I'm just going to make a list. And I thought I'll probably come up with a dozen occurrences where I knew God was real in that moment. I began writing and I came up with, when it was all done, it was 53 times that I could remember. And I was shocked. I was, I was, wow, like that's amazing. And I have that list now in my laptop. And whenever God does something in my life, I go in and I write it down because we're prone to forget. In the Old Testament, God talked a lot about stones of remembrance or memorials, that sort of language. For example, Joshua 4 verses 4 to 7, the word says, so Joshua called the 12 men whom he had appointed from the sons of Israel, one man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, cross again to the ark of the Lord your God in the middle of the Jordan, and each of you take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Israel. Let this be a sign among you, so that when your children ask later, saying, what do those stones mean to you? Then you shall say to them, because the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord, when it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall become a memorial to the sons of Israel forever. Love that when your children ask later, saying, what do those stones mean to you? That's Joshua 4, verses 4 to 7. So if you Google altar of remembrance, that's what I did, quite a few verses. And I'm wondering if you have stones of remembrance, if you have altar of remembrance. I heard of one family that got a big glass jar. And every time God showed up and every time God did something in their lives as a family or individually, they would write it on a piece of paper and put those pieces of paper in a jar. And at the end of the year, they would take those papers out and read them together as a family. There's something beautiful about going over what God has done in the past. And there are going to be times in our lives where we're going to be in a battle. And sometimes the mental battle is that voice that says, where is your God? Like with Job, where's your God? Curse God and die. His wife told him that. I never thought about that, but 
you know, the wife had been going, had gone through all that grief too. It wasn't just Job. I don't know why it never occurred to me, but yeah, Job's wife. I mean, she lost those kids too. It wasn't just him. She went through the suffering too. I always think of her as like, wow, what a nag. (laughs) She's just beating up on Job at the worst possible moment of his life, but she had suffered too. Maybe she had lost that hope. If you're a committed believer, you are seeking to advance in the kingdom of God. You want to be more like him. You want to be transformed into his his image. You want to be used in the kingdom. You want to reach people for Christ. Guess what? You're going to be persecuted. There's going to be suffering. And nobody ever puts a fridge magnet on their fridge saying, you're going to be suffering and you're going to have hardship. And it's always nice verses. And that's, that's great. I mean, we all want comfort. But remember, the full gospel is comfort and suffering. It's the wonderful experiences, the mountaintop experiences, and then there's the other, the valley of the shadow of death. So the memorial, those times where you just sit back and think about what God has done. Wow, those are important things. And I am so glad I have this list now, this list of times when God has been good to me. I'm going to play a song for you now. Well, I'm not going to really play it like live. It's off of my album, You Say that I did in 2008. Oh, so long ago, when I was just a a young girl. Uh, And this song is called This Love of God. But 
The Wonderful Love of God. Well, thank you for joining me on this episode. And oh, I've got so many more stories to share with you. So I hope you'll join me next time. And remember to write down those stories when you think about what God has done in your life. That's our testimony. See you next time. Thanks for joining me this week on Stories from My Journey podcast. Find out more about me by visiting my website. That's at www.wendyhaha.com. Don't you just love my website name? And if you'd like to comment on anything you've heard today, send me a message through my email address, wendy at wendyhaha.com. If you know somebody who'd appreciate this podcast, please tell them about it. Good news deserves to be shared. God bless and see you next time.